0: Hey, everybody, it's Mark with the Love of Marks Podcast coming back at you again with another pretty cool topic. We're going to be talking about Emperor Norton today. Emperor, you think this guy's a king, this guy's royal, this guy's bloodlines, blah, blah, blah. Emperor Norton was actually an American emperor. Kind of eccentric, kind of crazy. It's in the eye of the beholder. I tend to believe that Emperor Norton was one of the finest leaders in American history you disagree then shut up your opinion sucks just gonna jump right into it talking about emperor norton he was born joshua abraham norton on february 4th 1818 or 1819 1817 15 14 who knows like literally nobody knows well they have guesses we'll we'll get into that he died we know when he died he died on january 8th 1880. He was about 60 something years old because we don't know when he was born. I mean, they didn't have records like that, and it was just a lot of guesswork. The best available evidence points to February 4th, 1818, as being the date of his birth. Obituaries from 1880 offered conflicting information, though. The silver plate on his coffin said he was, quote, aged about 65, which would have put him in about 1815 but a biographer says that was based solely on the guest Norton's landlady offered to the coroner at the time of his death. A 1923 essay published by the California Historical Society claimed that he was born on February 4th, 1818. But, the passenger list for the ship La Bella Alliance, La Belle Alliance? Guys, you gotta, you gotta understand, I'm, I'm like, bad with pronunciations cuz I'm like is this English is this Spanish is this so just bear with me if I say stuff wrong just just understand so the passenger list for the ship La Belle Alliance listed him as being 2 years old when the ship set sail from England in 1820 though this information appears to not have been known until after 1934 So his headstone that was placed at his grave in Colma, California in 1934 uses the essay, the California Historical Society's essay, the date of 1819. You go on, the February 4th, 1865 edition of the Daily Alta California Newspaper included a happy 47th birthday wish to Emperor Norton, which lines up with the ship passenger listing. Keep going, apparently the essay nerd with the California Historical Society used an alternate version of some documents in order to help cement his claim of 1819 being the birth year. So he's he's lying to be the right one. The Emperor's Bridge Campaign, now known as the Emperor Norton Trust, is a nonprofit that engages in research and education. It produced a 2018 Bicentennial series, Emperor Norton at 200, which would place him in the year 1818 as his birth. There were a good number of historical records from institutions that went along to help support the 1818 date. Anyways... Like I said, luckily most of us here know pretty much when we were born, and if you don't, do some carbon dating or ask Google or something. I'm sure they already know that about you, so just uh, don't be afraid to ask Google, the all-knowing. He was born in Deptford, Kent, England, and died in San Francisco, California. His parents were John Norton, a farmer and a merchant who died in 1848, and Sarah Norton, who died in 1846. Both were English Jews. He spent most of his early life in South Africa after being born in England. This was due in part to being a government-backed colonization scheme where the participants became known as the 1820 settlers. He left Cape Town for Boston around March of 1846 via Liverpool, from there, he moved to San Francisco in late 1849. So that three-year gap from 46 to 49, there's not much known about that three and a half years. One of the stories or tales or truths, who knows? Again, this is early 1800s. The records are kind of iffy. It says he arrived in San Francisco on the Francesca ship on November twenty third, 1849 with $40,000 in his pocket which came from either all or part of his father's estate. He then flipped this 40000 into 250000 but again, this time period is kind of murky. There's not much documentation to go along with it. For the first few years in San Francisco, he made a successful living as a commodities trader and a real estate speculator. Now, if you don't know what commodities are, there's stuff like raw products like oil, coffee, wood, spices, natural resources kind of stuff. And then you've got livestock, agricultural products. He would trade goods. That's where he made most of his early money. Here comes the fall. He was ruined financially after a failed bid to corner the rice market during a famine in China. He bought a lot of rice for $0.12 cent a pound, but more ships showed up out of nowhere and dropped the price down to $0.04 cents a pound. Now, I don't know money or stuff too good. But I do know Dogecoin. If you bought early, you're good. But this is like old Joshi boy buying in at $0.70 cent per coin and it dropping down to the, what, $0.20 cent it is now, $0.25. Cent. You're down about $0.50 cent a coin, and that adds up quick. So you want the price to go up so you can make more money off of it instead of losing money off of it. I mean, it's it makes sense if you think about it. Numbers are kind of scary to me, so it's like, eh, whatever. Just moving on. So, he goes on to lose a lawsuit where he tried to get out of his failed rice contract, and he subsequently faded from public view until about September of 1859. He tried to sue, claiming the rice dealer misled him about the quality of the rice. Ultimately, the Supreme Court of California ruled against him. Now, this is probably his his origin story, like the, the part of the origin story where the the bad guys shoot his parents or he finds his his awakening of potential or whatever him losing the supreme court ruling in the rice contract that's that's how my feeling at least of where emperor norton started to become emperor norton this is like the the cocoon stage of his caterpillar he's about to blossom poor norton he had to sell his real estate holdings in north beach in order to pay the debt filed for bankruptcy and ultimately wound up living in a working class boarding house now this situation wasn't befitting of an emperor but he wasn't an emperor yet he's due for a comeback and boy did he Joshua Abraham Norton came back claiming the title of Emperor of the United States. He was thoroughly discontent with the legal, Supreme Court ruling about his rights and the political structures in America. I mean, he had it coming, dude just couldn't catch a break. I guess he broke himself, maybe. Maybe he was always crazy or awesome, whichever. Um... So it was on the fateful day, September 17th, 1859, that he took matters into his own hands and delivered one of the most impactful letters ever drafted in the history of the universe. Probably. Norton hand-delivered the following letter to George Fitch, editor of the San Francisco Daily Evening Bulletin. At the peremptory request and desire of a large majority of citizens of the United States, I... Joshua Norton, formerly of Algoa Bay, Cape of Good Hope, and now for the last nine years and ten months past of San Francisco, California, declare and proclaim myself Emperor of these United States, and in virtue of the authority thereby in me vested, do hereby order and direct the representatives of the different states of the Union to assemble in the musical hall of the city of the first day of February next, then and there to make such alterations in the existing laws of the Union, and may ameliorate, the evils under which this country is laboring and thereby cause confidence to exist both at home and abroad in our stability and integrity. Signed, Norton I, Emperor of the United States. Editor Fitch printed the letter announcement in that evening's edition for humorous effect and thus began Emperor Norton's 21 year reign over America. He did it. He's seen the tops of society, got betrayed by society, lived in the bottom. Finally took things into his own hands, became an emperor. I mean, it's just that easy, guys. One of the more notable decrees on matters of the states was was published on October 12, 1859. He intended to abolish the United States Congress. Within the letter, he said there was too much, quote, fraud and corruption that prevents a fair and proper expression of the public voice, that open violation of the laws are constantly occurring, caused by mobs, parties, factions, and undue influence of political sex, that the citizen has not that protection of person and property that he is entitled. Two observations I see from this. Emperor Norton is still salty about how the rice fiasco went down. And two, sounds a lot like present times. History repeats itself, so why not learn a thing or two about good old Emperor Norton? So he goes on to call upon the army to depose of all elected officials in Congress. A month later, in November 1859, Emperor Norton says that the National Congress was meeting in Washington City, which is D.C. as we know it. It was meeting in a violation of the imperial edict he put out the one month before. He said that this should be dealt with quickly in order to maintain the peace of the empire as he called upon Major General Scott, the commander-in-chief of the armies, to proceed with suitable force to clear the halls of Congress. Maybe surprisingly to some listeners at this point, the order was ignored by the army. What the heck? Congress continued without any formal acknowledgement of this decree. And this one-sided battle continued for the rest of Emperor Norton's life. In 1862, he sought legitimacy through the Roman Catholic and Protestant churches and ordered both of them to publicly ordain him as emperor, hoping to solve the many disputes that had resulted in the Civil War. Remember, the Civil War is known for being about slavery, but there's a lot more nuance to that. state's right. The rural agrarian society versus the industrialized North. On and on, whatever. I'm not here to say right or wrong or whoever. Emperor Norton continues, he publicly declared the abolition of Democratic and Republican parties on August 12, 1869, with the intention of bringing peace to the realm. I think he was on to something there. In spite of some of his more whimsical decrees, Emperor Norton did display visionary potential as well. He issued imperial decrees to form a League of Nations. He forbade any conflict between any religions or their sects. He decreed the construction of either a bridge or a tunnel that would connect Oakland and San Francisco. So League of Nations, that was coming closer to early 1910s, I guess. It was sometime around World War One. I. I was a history major, but... I used to be smart about 10 years ago, so cut me some slack. Later on, though, he became increasingly irritated by disobedience by the, quote, proper authorities. One decree from September 1872 had a lot of irritation and sass to it. Quote, Whereas the citizens have hitherto neglected to notice our said decree, and whereas we are now determined our authority shall be fully respected, now we do hereby command the arrest by the army, of both the boards of city fathers if they persist in neglecting our decrees." Dude's anger. Nobody's listening to him, even though he's the Emperor of America. Come on now. Give this dude some respect. Put some respect on his name. So long after his death, structures were built in the form of Norton's dream bridge, and there have been campaigns to rename the bridge after Emperor Norton. You may be asking yourself, what's the daily life like for an American Emperor? Most days he'd walk about the streets wearing his elaborate blue uniform with gold-plated epaulets that were given to him by officers at the U.S. Army Post at the Presidio of San Francisco. The epaulets are the fancy shoulder hats that the military people tend to wear. He also wore a beaver hat decorated with a peacock feather and a rosette. He often accented this elaborate decor with a cane or an umbrella, so he was looking fancy. What's he doing looking fancy? He's strolling the streets. He's inspecting the conditions of the sidewalks and cable cars, the state of public property, and the appearance of police officers. Now we could stand to bring this back to be honest. Emperor Norton, he was on to some a lot of good stuff. So we need to we need to take pride in our cities and neighborhoods and hold our tax money accountable. Instead of being spent on God knows what. Let's let's fill in the potholes. Let's uh let's cut some public grass. Whatever. I don't know. What do I know? I'm just a a dummy. In addition to his inspections and his, his daily appearances, he would also get out his philosophical soapbox that nobody asked for. He'd just besiege the American public with his philosophical views and people would just have to bear it or leave. So what about friends or companions for the emperor? Well, there was a rumor started that Bummer and Lazarus... Two local city dogs that they were Norton's pets, so Norton ate free at lunch counters where he shared meals with the dogs, even though he didn't actually own them. So, what about misunderstandings? Doesn't American Emperor get confused with common rubbish such as I? Absolutely. So, in 1867, Emperor Norton was arrested by a neighborhood security guard named Armand Barbier. Barbier, Barbier. Again, see the earlier note about I don't know how to pronounce stuff. So he was arrested to be committed for involuntary treatment for a mental disorder, mentally unhinged, mentally unstable. Not our Emperor Norton, no sir. This arrest outraged the citizens, which sparked scathing editorials, including one which wrote, quote, "He had shed no blood, he had robbed no one, he had despoiled no country." Which is more than can be said of fellows in that line. I think they're talking about crazy people. Not Emperor Norton, he's not crazy, no. So he's released from police custody by Police Chief Patrick Crowley and issued an apology on behalf of the police force. Norton, in turn, granted an imperial pardon to the person who arrested him. As a result of this incident, police officers of San Francisco saluted him as they passed him in the streets. Put a little respect on his name. There you go, Emperor Norton. Come on now. In addition to the policemen, he was officially recognized for his position as Emperor in other ways. The 1870 census listed him as 50 years old. Here we go with his birth year again. It also listed his occupation as, get this, emperor. And also, fairly or not, genius is rarely understood, if I might say so myself. There was a note that he was also insane. He unsuccessfully made attempts to quell anti-Chinese demonstrations and riots in the 60s and 70s, but his attempts were widely reported. He's making attempts to bring about peace. He's out there increasing his name recognition. Emperor Norton also issued currency in the form of promissory notes. They were accepted by some restaurants in San Francisco, and the denominations ranged from $0.50 to $10. Now, fast forward to today, there's still some surviving notes that he would have issued, and they've been known to sell for $10,000 at auction. So if you got you an Emperor Norton promissory note, it might say $10 at face value, but it's, it's worth holding on to. so keep an eye out. When Emperor Norton's uniform began to look threadbare, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors brought him an imperial replacement, and in return, Norton issued a patent of nobility in perpetuity to each supervisor in addition to a gracious thank you note. So you look at Emperor Norton, he's doing all this domestic good, he's, he's keeping the policemen on their toes, he's improving the parks and city and trying to keep the government in line or abolish it, whatever he's trying to do. Outside of domestic interest, he's looking outward as well, he's looking to make a difference through diplomatic efforts. Most famously, he was recognized by King Kamehameha V of Hawaii, which wasn't a state at the time, so it was a foreign territory or America might have controlled it. Again, I didn't look into it. Unfortunately, on the other hand, I mean, he's buddies with King Kamehameha, King Kamehameha for Dragon Ball Z fans. Unfortunately, on the other hand, his letters to Queen Victoria that suggested the two get married in order to strengthen the ties between their nations, those went unanswered. So you got two hands, buddies with King Kamehameha, or King Kamehameha, sorry. On the other hand, Queen Victoria is just ignoring him. But somewhere in the middle of the road would be his dealings with Mexico. French Emperor Napoleon III, not to be confused with the more famous Napoleon Bonaparte I, when Napoleon III invaded Mexico in the 1860s, he installed a puppet ruler. Now news reached Emperor Norton and someone suggested he take the title of Protector of Mexico, as nobody had been appointed to that title yet. Emperor Norton would later go on to revoke his title because he said it was quote impossible to protect such an unsettled nation. I don't cry. I've already shed enough tears over Emperor Norton's death, I don't need you to be crying as well. Here we go. On january eighth, eighteen eighty, Norton collapsed at the corner of California and DuPont, now Grant Streets. He died before he could be given medical treatment. He was on his way to a lecture at the California Academy of Sciences. His collapse was immediately noticed by a police officer on the beat, and unfortunately he died before a carriage could transport him to a hospital. Sadly, Emperor Norton died in complete poverty, contrary to the rumors of his wealth. Five or six dollars were found on his person. He had about $2.50 in his room at his boarding house. His other effects included a variety of walking sticks, a battered saber, Stovepipe derby, red-laced army caps, among others, 1828 French franc, and a handful of the imperial bonds he would sell to tourists at a fictitious 7% interest. He also had fake telegrams from Emperor Alexander II of Russia congratulating him of his upcoming marriage to Queen Victoria, and one from the President of France saying their union would be disastrous to world peace. Also found were letters to Queen Victoria and 98 shares of a stock in a defunct gold mine. Initial arrangements were for Emperor Norton to be laid to rest in a pauper's coffin of simple redwood, but thankfully members of the Pacific Club, some San Francisco businessmen, they established a fund that would provide a handsome rosewood casket in addition to arranging a dignified farewell. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, Upwards of 10,000 people lined the streets of San Francisco for about two miles on January 10th to pay him homage at his funeral. All classes from capitalists to the pauper, clergymen, the pit pocket, well-dressed ladies and those whose garb and bearing hinted at the social outcasts were there. He was buried in the Masonic Cemetery at the expense of San Francisco and later, in 1934, his remains were transferred to a grave site at Woodlawn Cemetery in Colma, California, as were all graves in the city. So there's a little bit about him in popular culture. He shows up in a couple books and comic books, all kinds of stuff, just talking about crazy Emperor Norton. Which I didn't really get into, but it's it's worth it's worth a look. There's drawings of him and his dogs that are pretty cool, just like cartoons. He was more important to San Francisco than San Francisco was to him. He made a huge difference, even though he literally carved his place into society. He lived life his own way. He did what he wanted. You could look at him as a crazy man. Just, ooh, what? He's like Stan from that Eminem song. We should be together, Queen Victoria. And Queen Victoria's like, nah, fam. He's shooting a shot, and and we could, uh, we could all learn something from, from old joshua norton i thought he's really cool he was always in the back of my mind when i was younger because he he was a weirdo he was like an outcast and i don't think i was a complete outcast but i still don't feel like i fit in you don't really have to when you're when you're doing your own thing you can blaze your own trail and people fall in behind you and it's, it's pretty cool again that's Emperor norton and this has been mark for the low marks podcast thanks for listening guys and girls Whoever. I'm not judging. Not assuming. Bye.